Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So we're going to be in two places this morning. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 12, but we're also going to be over in Luke chapter 22. So um, you can get your, put your finger there in Luke 22. Um, we're going to look at in just a little bit. As we prepare for, you may have noticed up here, communion. It's the first Sunday of the month and we're sharing communion together. So we're in this series in Exodus, right? We're, we're going through and looking at this. And last week, we did kind of a, a very broad overview of chapters 5 through 11, looking at the plagues that God brought down on Egypt because of the stubbornness, because of the rebellious, hard heart of Pharaoh. And we really looked at the first nine plagues. We touched briefly on the 10th plague. Um, but so what we find is that... so. Just a quick rundown. Moses has come before Pharaoh and has said, hey, God wants Israel, all of Israel, to go into the desert and wilderness and worship him. And Pharaoh kept um, saying no or trying to do it all on his own terms, not fulfilling, doing all that God asked, but maybe some of it, which I think some of us can relate to that um, whenever God speaks to us that way. So, But he would not relent, and so the series of plagues were brought out against the Egyptians to, one, show that God was, he is God, there's no one greater than him, and at the same time to kind of knock down any of these false gods that the Egyptians worshipped, um, that they thought there was a sun god and a river god and a, one of the crops and all these things, and he just showed that he is the Lord. And so each plague came and just crushed whatever false god that it, the Egyptians worshipped. And then there's one last plague. Um, and it's, it's the most severe of all the plagues because with all, or at least most of the previous plagues, Israel was not touched. Um, it, it, the, the plagues did not touch the God's people. But now the 10th plague comes along, and suddenly this plague is for all people, all human beings, all living people in Egypt, whether slave, whether Egyptian, whatever you are, um, just visiting, like you just got an Airbnb for the weekend. If you were there, this applied to you. And the, here's the deal. The, the final plague, God's aiming it at everyone this time, the firstborn. That's who it's for. Anybody who is the firstborn male in their family, this plague is coming after you. Why? Um, why Israel? <laughs> uh, we know kind of why Egypt, because Pharaoh would not relent. He would not relent. And it had to, it kind of came to that point. Um, God's patient. It took 10 times before he allowed this plague to be the one that was going to kill people, right? He could have done that as the first plague. That could have been the only plague, but he was patient, but still the hardness of Pharaoh's heart didn't allow him to obey God. So now we're at the 10th plague. This is for the Egyptians, but it also applies to the Israelites, and that's why I say, why? I thought, I thought the Israelites were God's people. I thought they were his chosen people. Well, because despite the fact that they are his chosen people, and despite the fact that they've been oppressed for centuries, the truth is, is that, is that Israel, God's people, are sinners too. I don't have the notes for this, but you could go and look in the book of Ezekiel and you'll find where it says that many in Israel, many of the Israelites who were living in Egypt had been worshiping false gods. They had taken on many of the false gods of Egypt, and God can't ignore this. God can't ignore that sin. 
for them. So the message of the 10th plague is that God is holy. He's also just. He's holy and he's just. But the message of the Passover, which we're going to learn about today, is that he's merciful. He's merciful. And so on this very first Passover, what God does is he devises a way in which he can be both just and merciful at the same time. We start in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 12. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Now, that's one of those things that you could read and move along. You read it and you're like, okay, good, whatever. This is the first time in the book of Exodus, this is the first time that God has given them a day. This is a special day. This is, your, this is going to be it. This is the first time in Exodus he says, this is going to be a month, the month, this is going to be a day, this is going to be a holy day. He says, this is going to be a new year for you. Okay? Whatever yesterday was, no, this, he's drawing a line, he's making a mark, he's, setting, he's dropping a pin down and saying, you were in slavery and now you're, you're not going to be. From this point forward, things are going to be different. And so this is how God does. He, he does things new. He, he, he does this all the time. He's marking out a new time for them. So they're ending their time in slavery, beginning a new life of freedom. So he says, here is this time. And, he, and then he gives them instructions. So he doesn't just say, hey, here's your new calendar, you know, like in and out calendars. Now here's, this is an important day, important month. And now here's some more instructions. Um, verse 5. This is about, he gives them instructions about the most important animal sacrifice they will ever make. The most important one. Verse 5. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male. All right, so why are they doing a sacrifice? Well, because his judgment is about to come upon all the firstborn males, humans and firstborn of, of livestock. Okay, so this is why they're having to do a sacrifice. He's making a way to be merciful and just. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. If you have a herd of or a flock or you have animals, you're a farmer, you, this is your job, you're a shepherd and you do this, and you know you need to make a sacrifice, you might be tempted to maybe pick the animal that you know is not doing so well. Because you want to have a healthy herd, right? You want to have ones, you don't want ones with defects or, or blemishes or things that are markings that you don't want them to carry on. So you might be tempted to go, well, this one isn't really doing so hot anyway. Let's sacrifice this one. But God says, no, you don't do that. This one needs to have no defects. This one needs to be perfect without blemish. Verse 6. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. So he's, God's given them a, a month. This is a new month for you. This is a new day for you. So he's saying for two weeks, take special care of this animal. Many of us, we, you know, some of you guys woke up this morning and your cat was sitting on top of your head and your dog was between your legs. Like we have domestic pets. Like they're, we like them better than most of our family members. Like, like that's how we are. They didn't have domestic animals, okay? So to take special care of one specific animal for two weeks was kind of a big deal. 
All right, so this is what God's word is saying here. And then it says, still in verse 6, Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. So they were sacrificing this animal. They were going to eat the animal. The blood from the animal they were going to put on their door frame. So this wasn't just um, like some holy people, some priests did one sacrifice and collected the blood from one animal and then they carried it out throughout the neighborhood and throughout the Israelite community and they just kind of painted it on dorm frames. No, every single home had to do a sacrifice. Every home, every single home, the blood had to cover door frame. Every home had to participate in this. So even though this, what, what God does for Israel, he does it for all, he still has a requirement for the individual. And that's true for us. What, what God has done through Jesus Christ, he's done for all, but we have a responsibility as individuals to say, I will participate in this. I will believe this. I will say yes to this. I won't just sit back and go, wow, I sure am glad God did the whole Jesus thing. We will live into it. So God is requiring Israel, each and every family and home, to participate in what he's doing. Verse 12. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son. So if you were an Israelite and you didn't do what God said, this applies to you. I will strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. So he is telling, he's, he's letting Pharaoh know, your hard heart has brought this upon Egypt. He's telling all the people who have worshipped these false gods for all these times that he is God. There is no one greater and he's just like kind of kicking them to the side. He's going to prove that he is God. So he's continuing to demonstrate his power. Um, verse 13. But the blood on your, doors, your doorposts, listen to this. Listen to this and think about um, communion and think about our salvation as we understand it as Christians, okay? I said verse 13 already. But the blood on your doorposts, will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. I love this. I love this line. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. That's why he gave them the days and the month. Each year, from generation to generation, generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. So this is where the name of the Jewish holy day Passover comes from. God passed over the homes that had blood on their doorposts. He, doesn't, he didn't visit those homes. He didn't visit those homes with the just death that was deserved for their, their sin. And this was true of the Egyptians and Israelites and anyone else that was living there in Egypt. He passed over. If the blood of the perfect, unblemished, 
sacrificed animal was on the doorpost. Verse 28. So, this is good. The people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded. God gives a command, follow it. Um, So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. So, looking at these verses here in Exodus chapter 12, what we know is that the blood of the sacrificed perfect lamb distinguished the people of God, the people who obeyed God, it distinguished them from those who did not believe. It distinguished God's people from the unbelieving who worshipped false gods. It, we find that observing this Passover or observing what God said, remembering it on and on and on, was a sign of faith in God and remembering. We understand that this moment in time, because God's given them this special time, what we understand is that this marks Israel's redemption from slavery. They are given life. They are given new life. When we see where God's command is that throughout generations... They're supposed to remember this moment. They're supposed to remember it. And and goes further to say, teach, like teach parents, teach your children about this. Explain this significance to your children. So now, fast forward 30 or so generations. Generation, not years, generations to the life of Jesus. Jesus was Jewish. His family was Jewish. He has a whole lineage you can read about. Okay? And so for every year of Jesus' life, even the, the infant years when he you know, didn't, wasn't aware, but most people believe he was 33 um, when he went to the cross, when he was arrested and went to the cross. So for 33 years, Jesus participated in the Passover because that's what Jewish people did. God commanded it. He rescued them. He saved them. And so for 33 years, they celebrated the Passover. And so when the time came, as Jesus was doing his ministry, and he was with his disciples, and Passover was upon them, that time, that special time and day that God had given to them, he celebrates Passover with his disciples. And the point of this was to communicate what he's about to do. We're going to read in, in Luke 22 in a moment. What we're about to read is that, is that he's included, that, that this, he wants to communicate there's the long-awaited redemption they've been waiting for, waiting for, waiting for the Messiah to come. is now going to happen. So he wants his disciples, which I would say includes you and me today, to know that a new exodus is coming. A new release of the prisoners, a new release from slavery, a a release from bondage is available to us. And this is why what you and I know as the sacrament of communion starts with the remembrance of the Passover. Now, during the Passover celebration, because it wasn't just 
one day. It was several days. They, ha they had a meal to remember the Passover. And they called this meal the Seder meal. And at every Seder meal, what they had was, was always present during Passover was wine. And it would represent the blood of the lamb, the perfect lamb that was sacrificed. And it was taken, that blood, and put on the doorposts of the homes of the Israelites in Egypt. So they remembered this. And at every Passover Seder meal, there was also bread. Because God provided for them. He told them to take some bread. And there's a whole thing about unleavened bread. And don't put yeast in it because you're going to need to eat quick because you're going to be traveling. It needs to be easy to go. But they had bread at the Seder meal to remember how God provided for them while they were leaving Egypt and going into new life. So this was the meal that um, Jesus and his disciples, they sat down to share on that evening, some 1,485 years after the first Passover. Here they are on that night. And so the disciples, they understood the significance of the wine at that table. They understood the significance of the bread at that table. They understood it. But in Luke chapter 22 now, we see how Jesus links these two and brings it to, to fruition, brings it to, to fullness by what he's about to do. Tinley and Stu, would you all come and you're going to be serving communion in a moment. But as I read this passage out of Luke chapter 22, I would like you to go ahead and, and present the elements to the congregation as we hear these words from Scripture. Luke 22, beginning in verse 19. Talking of Jesus. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper... He took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And so, with these words, Jesus links the Passover, which they knew so well, the Seder meal, this Passover of the Old Testament that they had been celebrating, that the, the Jewish people had been celebrating for 1,400, almost 1,500 years. Jesus and his disciples had been celebrating for 33 plus years. They all knew what it meant, but now Jesus changes it. He links the two. He's establishing a new covenant. So in Egypt, the, uh, the Israelites had to collect the blood. The lamb had to be sacrificed and killed. Couldn't be any lamb, right? We know this. The lamb had to be perfect, without blemish, without fault. And so it is with Jesus. And this is what he shares with his disciples. The bread representing his body. 
his sinless, perfect life sacrificed on the cross. And the cup, the wine, representing his blood, the blood of an unblemished lamb. And they knew it meant that with that in Egypt, when the blood was put on the doorpost and God passed over them, they were saved. They were rescued. They were going to be able to live into the promise that God had made. That you're my special people. I have, I have great plans for you. I have hope for you. I have, I have a new life for you, a new land for you. They knew this. God had saved them for this. And now Jesus is bringing it forward to his disciples and now to you and me. I'm a just God, he says. But I'm also merciful and I've made a way for you to not have to live under sin anymore. You don't have to live under bondage anymore. You don't have to live in that life anymore. You can be freed from that. I will pass over you. Here is the blood of the perfect lamb. And it's Jesus. And we know this. We, we know this from the, the most famous verse of all in John 3. God loved us so much. That he gave us his son as a sacrifice so that we would have life. He he gave of himself so we would have life. To die in our place, to allow us to escape this. His blood, the blood of this new covenant for those who place their faith in him. They had to participate. The Israelites had to participate in Egypt in order to live into this promise. And friends, we have to participate. We need to participate in what Christ has done for us. This act indicated that the time of redemption had come. So by the body and by the blood of Jesus, we're passed over. We're saved from death. And we're actually brought back back into a right relationship with God. We're brought back into a relationship with God. That, that should have been from the very beginning of creation. And this, this is the renewal that we've been talking about. This is the spiritual renewal, the spiritual revival that we've been talking about for the last many weeks as we walk through Exodus. This is it. Spiritual renewal, spiritual revival, all of this happens when we say, I am in sin. I have been worshiping so many little gods that have, that have no power and no purpose and no meaning. And yet I have been bowing down to the altar of these things. I am in slavery to these things. I am, I am lost. I, I, there's, there's no hope. There's no promise. But now, God, you've made a way. And so I accept the blood. I accept your body broken. So that I might have life. And it's in that that spiritual renewal happens. It's in understanding that. It's in remembering that. That we experience the life we're supposed to have. This is it. And communion as we call it. Is, is, the, is the realization of what God has done for us. Through Jesus Christ. So now let's turn our attention to this table. We don't often recite liturgy together, but I wanted to share this this morning. 
There's going to be some congregational response. So when you see it on the screen, that is your cue to, to say it out loud. And some of it we'll say together. And But I will say this about this table. Because some of you might want to uninvite yourself. Now this, is, this is for you. Because Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek to live in peace with one another. So let us confess our sin before God and for one another. Let's say this prayer together. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Take a few moments in quiet prayer. Confess any sin that you have before we continue. Porch community, hear the good news. Christ, the perfect lamb, died for us while we were yet sinners. And that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And then together you get to tell me something. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. I'll ask those who are serving if they will come now and, and serve one another, prepare to serve a congregation as we pray together. Father, the message for goodness, many of us might be old news. We know the Passover story. We know the, the upper room dinner that Jesus had with his friends. I don't know, it might be easy to go, okay, I know this. But for us to pause and comprehend that over millennia you have been faithful. And that you've never forgotten and you've never forsaken us. You've remembered your promises. Your desire has always been to rescue us and redeem us from the moment we left the garden. <laughs> your desire has been to restore us to right relationship with you. And so God, I just pray that 
that the understanding of the Passover means something more to us today. The understanding that we choose to participate in what you've done. And God, may our understanding of what you've done, what you did that night through Jesus as he instituted what we call communion. It's just realizing that you actually want us to participate by receiving the bread and dipping it in the cup. You want us to participate in what you have done for us through Jesus Christ. So God, those words are very real. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive us for our sin. Forgive us for our apathy. Forgive us for our resentment. Forgive us for for not forgiving. Forgive us for not seeking forgiveness. Lord, we want to, we know you are just. We thank you you are merciful. And we stand here in need of your grace. Those words, free us for joyful obedience, is exactly what you started that night in Egypt at midnight. You freed your people to no longer be slaves, but to live a life joyfully in obedience to you. Now that's the desire of my heart. It's my prayer for our church that we would leave our sin here today and we would participate with you in what you've given to us through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. The ushers will uh, direct you in just a moment. And they'll let you know which station to go to and uh, where to go. And they have a basket with them. So if you have your offerings, you can place them in there.